to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Isaiah 1 chapter, I mean, excuse me, verse number 19, it says, If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Verse 20 says. So he's talking about uh, not rebelling against him, being willing and obedient to do what he, t- what he tells us to do. Amen. Amen. And we talked about this on Sunday. We're going to pick up some things and then go on. Uh, we'll do some re- repeating, but I-, I found repeating things has never hurt me. Amen. Never hurt me at all. If you say, well, I remember you saying that on Sunday. Well, good. 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 We're going to hear it again. But uh, we were talking about this on Sunday because the Lord has, has put some things in my heart. And uh, it's, it's for some of us particularly, but it's for all of us in general because the Word is for all of us. So we never turn a deaf ear to something and say, well, you know, I got it together in that area. You know, usually it's the things that we're bored at, that the things that we're not doing. Because if we were doing it, it'd be working and we'd be excited about it. So if it's boring, then it's because we're not doing it. Because doing it will bring tremendous results. But um, we said that this word here, the good of the land, in the, uh, some other translations says the best of the land. Well, um, you know, it would be the good of the land, wouldn't it? The good of the land is the best of the land. The best of the land is the good of the land. And so we're talking about the, the best God has for us. And, uh, you know, the best, the best that uh, is in the land, of course. But the, God has the best for us is what he's saying. And so, um, you know, we always want to shoot for God's best, regardless of whether we get it or not. It sure beats shooting for halfway and getting half of it. I'd rather shoot for all God has and get half of it than shoot for half of God, what God has and get half of it. You know, because, um, you know, sometimes we, we preach the best God has for us, and people think, well, that's unattainable. Well, why did God say it then if it's unattainable? Everything that God said in His Word is available to us. Not everybody attains to it, but uh, we don't base our doctrine on what other people attain to or do not attain to or base it on somebody else's experience. You know, Grandma was a good Christian and she died early and she didn't have divine healing and divine health and all of that. Well, I'm sure she was a good Christian. You know, but that doesn't mean she knew everything she needed to know either. How many of you know we've got to keep on walking more and more in the light that we get? Someone came to Gloria Copeland one time and said, I don't understand because she, because Gloria ministers on healing a lot, healing schools. But she said, uh, I don't understand because I'm doing everything I know, but it's just not working. She said, well, then obviously you don't know enough. <laughs> Amen. So stick with it. What is your alternative? Well, I'm going to quit because it's not working for me. Well, I wouldn't quit if I were you. Your alternative is to go back to where you were. And what used to work for you because that's all you knew won't work for you anymore because you know more now, so you can't go backwards. You just got to keep on going forwards. Well, but there's some things I don't understand. Well, welcome to the human race. (laughs) Me too, all of us. We're all learning, growing, getting more understanding. But if we want to have God's best, we've got to walk in the light that we have and continually be a person who presses into getting more of the light from God's Word. I mean, it's dangerous to come up to light and pull back from it. 
So we don't do that. We're going to walk in God's best. So um, we find back over in, uh, when it comes to some of the things God's put in my heart, we find this in the book of, if you want to go to some of these, you can here, just for uh, time's sake, I'm going to go kind of quick. But we find over in the book of Psalm, chapter number 91, verse number 16, he talks about, uh, he, he that sets his love upon me, uh, I will honor him and deliver him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So here's God's best is long life. All right. So long life is God's best. Then we have what we find in the book of Exodus. In fact, I'd like you to go to this one. Some of you might have seen this, but let's go back here and just, uh, Mark it. If we don't know about it, mark it. If we do know about it, put another star by it. Exodus 23. We'll look at verse 25 and 26. This is God's God's covenant to the Old Testament people. But uh, we have a better covenant established upon better promises. And if this is taken away from us, then uh, we don't have a better one. So we still have this today. This is Abraham's blessing. But uh, we have Abraham's blessing. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, Galatians 3 says. Here in Exodus 23, 25, 20, and, and 26, You shall serve the Lord your God. He shall bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Notice that. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in the land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Notice that number of thy days I will fulfill, and I'll take sickness away from the midst of thee. Now, notice sickness away from the midst of thee. That's not divine healing. Well, someone said, well, sure it is. No, sickness away from the midst of thee would be something different. If he took sickness away from the midst of us, there wouldn't be any among us even sick to get healed of. You understand what I'm talking about? People say you got to get sick to die. No, you don't. You can just do like some people in the Old Testament did. They just said, oh, I'm done, gave up the ghost. And people in modern day have done that. This is God's best. Sickness isn't even among us. The Bible tells us whenever they ate the Passover that Jesus healed them, that God healed them all. Did you know that in Psalms? It says that uh, uh, there was not one feeble one among their tribes when they left Egypt. You remember that? The Bible talks, what is that, Psalm 107, I believe, Psalm 105, 105, I believe it is. Uh, so when they left Egypt and ate that Passover, every one of them were healed. There was not one feeble one among them. And that's God's best. Now to have God's best, you and I need to do what he said, serve the Lord our God. And there's more to that than just, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just be a Christian, you know. There's more to it than that. That means walking in the light of the word. And walking in the light of what the Spirit in your own prayer life deals with you about. I remember uh, an experience that uh, I'm going to refer to Brother Hagin again. Sometimes people don't understand why we keep keep doing, but I tell them, you know, if if it was if I sat under Billy Graham and had learned from Billy Graham, that I'd refer to him and say, "Well, I learned this under Billy Graham." I'm not trying to exclude anybody else in the body of Christ. Just where I learned is where God put me, you know, and uh, and there was a lot to learn there. So, uh, but anyway, I remember Brother Hagin had an experience, and he has a proven ministry. It's not somebody you can just set aside and say, well, there's nothing to that, because he, 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 he proved out some things. Yes, Amen. Yes. And, but anyway, he said one of the experiences he had with the Lord was he was uh, 
uh, was whenever Jesus talked to him about the healing anointing. And he said to him, now you've been, he, he started talking to him about the first phase of his ministry when he left his last church. And he said, you were unfaithful in that first phase. Uh, and, and if you go into it all, it had to do with ministering healing like, uh, I, like Jesus told him to minister healing. But uh, he was not uh, doing it, what Jesus told him to do, because in that day, it wasn't the norm, it, and you got persecuted if you ministered healing that way, yes, you know. So uh, he wasn't doing it in order to avoid persecution. Now, you've never done anything like that to avoid persecution. You know, you've never clamped down and said, no, I'm not going to share Jesus with your relatives because, you know, you might get persecuted. You've never done that, but, you know, some of us have. No, you've done things like that. You've disobeyed because of persecution. So don't throw any stones at anybody else here. But anyway, he said, you, Jesus said to Brother Hagin, you were unfaithful in the first phase. He said this. He said, the reason you were unfaithful is because you doubted that it was my spirit that spoke to you. Now listen to what Jesus went on to say. He said, faith obeys my word, whether it is the written word of God or it is my spirit that has spoken unto man. Now, that, that statement changed my life. Faith, oh, this is what Jesus said to him. Faith obeys my word, whether it is the written word or it is my spirit that has spoken unto man. Now, that's where a lot of us get in trouble right there. I mean, let alone the written word. A lot of Christians aren't doing that. But when the Holy Ghost talks to your heart about something. And then later, Jesus asked Brother Hagin, what are you going to do about that? He said, I wasn't planning on doing anything about it. He said, you're going to have to or else. Well, that was for Brother Hagin. No, that's for Christians. (laughs) You're going to have to or else. Brother Hagin said, I've had some of those or else's. I think I will. That's smart. How many of you, anybody ever had some of those else's or else's? No, God's not saying, or Jesus isn't saying to him that I'm going to put something bad on you. What he's saying is you're going to open the door to the devil, and the devil's going to, going to get in. Remember, Ephesians 4 says, don't give place to the devil. Amen. Well, you know, I'm just not going to do anything about what the Lord said. You're going to have to or else. I'll tell you why. Go to James chapter number 4. Um, go back here to the 17th verse of James chapter number 4. You got your listening ears on tonight? You're not just here to fulfill your Wednesday night duty, are you? This can save your life. James chapter number 4, it says in verse 17, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Don't see that on bumper stickers at all, do you? Or refrigerators. No. There's not just... Sin is not just doing something you know not to do. Sin is knowing what the Holy Ghost told you to do, and you're not doing it. That's just as much sin. That's what he's talking about right here. He that knows to do good and doesn't do it. So we call them sins of omission. There's sins of commission, but there's sin of of omission. In other words, just not doing. Well, what are you going to do about that? What the Lord spoke to you about. What are you going to do about it? Well, I wasn't planning on doing anything. Well, that's, that's a sin. That's a sin. Everybody say, that's sin. sin. Just as much as if I went out and robbed a bank. Or you went out and robbed a bank or something. You know? Hello? Awfully quiet in here tonight. So we know to do good and don't do it, then that's sin to us. And what's sin do? If there's anything that opens the door to the devil, it's sin. 
And uh, that's also called disobedience. Another word for knowing what to do and not doing it is disobedience. And that's what he said, if you be willing in Isaiah 1.19, willing and obedient. Obedient. What's obedient mean? Respond to the direction given. Rather than no response whenever he speaks. There needs to be a response from you and I when the Spirit speaks to us. Some people have gotten so callous and hard-hearted that they don't respond in the little things anymore because, because uh, they've gotten, you know, they don't even hardly hear God because they've gotten hard-hearted. You know, you and I just keep on resisting the Holy Ghost. Eventually, it'll be as if he's, he can holler through a megaphone and we're not here. And then we're under, we can't understand why things aren't working out for us. Our minds get darkened and our conscience is dulled and he's trying to speak through a megaphone. He's even speaking through pastor. You know what I'm talking about? Hello! Hey! Neon lights flashing. Bridges out. Bridges out. Oh, oh, I don't know why it's not working out for me. I'm not going back to that church. That's, that's, that's what can happen as we just stop, stop responding to the Spirit. Amen. You, got, you and I have to keep ourselves stirred up all the time. That's the reason I write things down when the Holy Ghost says it to me. Because, and I go back regularly and read them and make sure I'm walking in the light of this that he spoke right here. I, well, he hasn't said anything to me about it since. He doesn't have to say anything to you about it since. You know, if mom, when you were a kid, told you to take out the trash, she didn't need to say that again. If she says, from now on, it's your job, until you leave this house, it's your job to take out the trash. If you see the trash full, you don't have to say, don't have to have mom come and tell you the trash is full, so now it's your responsibility to take out the trash. No, I'm telling you right now, forever, as long as you live in this house, if the trash is full, it's your responsibility. And you don't need me to come tell you every time that the trash is full. Is that the way you raise your kids, Leanne? Yeah. Anybody else in here understand what I'm... Anybody that doesn't understand what I'm talking about? No, we all understand. And God's the same way. He doesn't need to keep repeating it over and over again. I told you. That's called dullness and hard-heartedness. Now, have we... Any of us in here did it? Yeah. Yeah, we've all done it. But, you know, we're going to change that. Look at your neighbor, poke him and say, we're not going to be hard and slow and dull anymore. Amen. Praise God. Now, that doesn't mean you just jump at everything he says immediately. Some things have timing to it. You can get out ahead of God and you understand that side of it. But So uh, we want the best God has for us. So what he's telling us here is in order to have the best that God has for us, and that would be all the fullness of his blessing, wouldn't it? That would be the full potential of anything that he has for us down here in this life. Not just in the life to come. There's promise of the life that now is, the Bible said. So the best God has for us down here would include long life. We already read that in Exodus and, and Psalms 91. Uh, it would include health because he said, I'll take sickness away from the midst of thee. Well, you know, nobody's living without any sickness at all. I'm not basing my doctrine on what anybody else is experiencing. I'm shooting for what God said. Have I come short of it at times? Yeah. But you don't have any place to throw any stones, rocks, or tomatoes at me. You know what I'm talking about? 
But see, you don't base doctrine on my experience any more than you, I should base doctrine on anybody else's experience. We all go back to the Word and say, here's the best God has for us. What is my responsibility in order to walk in the light of that? Well, there's three reasons Christians are sick. Number one, they just don't know what belongs to them. You know, a lot of Christians don't know that divine healing is part of their covenant. And it's, it's, they're redeemed from sickness as much as they're redeemed from sin. They haven't been taught that. They, they're not full gospel. They're a percentage, 10% gospel. You know, every church ought to have a label on it, 10% gospel church. 20% gospel church. 45% gospel church. <laughs> we preach living right. We preach getting saved and all of that. Well, that's, part of, that's a percentage of the gospel. Let's be a 100% gospel church. <laughs> Amen. Well, we, we put labels on cans and put percentages on the label. We ought to do that with churches too. It ought to be a requirement. If you have a website for your church, it ought to be, it ought to be labeled 16% gospel church, you know. <laughs> anyway, a little humor, but it's, you know, you understand my point. So in order to have God's best, that would include long life. We already read that. That would include divine health, not just divine healing. We thank God for divine healing. We've all needed that. But uh, there's something better. That's called, in fact, um, he said there, I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. Yes. Now go back to, and well, I'll just read these verses. Maybe for time's sake, we won't turn to all these so we can get to the thing here that the Lord put on my heart for tonight. But think about these verses. Um, we've got a verse over there in 1 John. Notice what it says in the 5th chapter, the 18th verse. He that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Um, well, I'm not starting out the first part. Let me get the first part here. I'm, this is 1 John 5, 18. Let me go back and read it. We know that whatsoever, excuse me, whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Wow. Is that possible where the devil can't even get his finger on you and put any of his stuff on you? Keepeth himself. Now whose responsibility is that? Ours, because the context there is not walking, not, not sinning. Well, you know we all sin. Well, I know, but we didn't have to. None of us had to do what we did. Did we do what we did? Yeah, we did what we did, but we didn't have to do what we did. Because the greater one's in us to overcome the sin. Amen. So that was us doing that. So uh, we could take a long time with that. But here's my point, that we, we who uh, uh, live free from sin keep ourselves, and that means Satan can't even touch us. So that would be, that would include divine health. Wouldn't it? There's a verse in 1 Peter chapter number 3. I don't know if you've ever read it. He that would love life and see good days. What is this, verse 9, something like that. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Remember that? He that would love life and see good days. I mean, you can have, every day can be a good day. Think about it. I mean, uh, there's a lot that uh, the, the New Testament says about it. Neither give place to the devil, Ephesians 4.27. You know those verses. Isn't that right? Now, Brother Hagin said this. He said, I've, I, I, once I learned about divine healing, I'll get to the three reasons Christians are sick. I didn't finish that. But um, he said, uh, one, one, once I learned about 
uh, divine healing and learned how to appropriate it, he said, I never was sick unless I disobeyed God. And that's the three reasons why Christians are sick. Number one, they don't know what belongs to them. Number two, they don't know how to appropriate it. And we're talking about faith there. Number three, reason Christians are sick. And this is a general, a real general way of breaking it down. You could break it down in more specifics, but it's because of disobedience. Not everyone who's sick is, as, as a Christian I'm talking about, is sick because they've got sin in their life. That'd be unscriptural. Remember James, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And then the next verse, if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. If means he may have, he may not have. He's sick because they're praying for him to be healed. Context is healing. But, but uh, if he's committed sins. So his sickness might not be because of sin. Let me say it this way. Because of his sin, uh, specifically his own sin. Now, I'll say this, all sickness is because of sin, but not the individual's sin. Hello? Some sickness is just simply the result of Adam's sin. The curse is in the earth because Adam fell. In that fallen state, our natural, the, the whole natural realm, really, including our bodies, um, have taken on a condition which they were not before. Now our bodies are mortal. You understand that? And uh, in the natural realm, in that fallen state, the, the, the natural realm is under the curse that came on the earth when Adam and Eve sinned. It's simply the result of spiritual death. Adam sinned and, and uh, death came. So really, sin is the foul, excuse me, sickness is the foul offspring of his father Satan and, and his mother's sin. Maybe not even the individual sin. I'm not talking about the individual sin. I'm talking about Adam's sin. The sin nature, which brought in the curse, you understand. But the, the sin nature of fallen man before he is redeemed is fallen because of Adam's sin. Amen? So your body's not in the state that it was before Adam sinned. Adam had a glorified body. He had a body that was immortal. <clears throat> it couldn't die until he sinned. Isn't that right? Well, then what we've got to learn, though, is that, um, you know, uh, because man sinned, um, judgment, the wages of sin is death. Isn't that right? I'm talking about because Adam sinned. He was never going to die physically until he sinned. He would have been alive today if he hadn't have fallen or we hadn't, the human race hadn't have fallen. So um, uh, the wages of sin is death, and that's including physical death, which is a result of spiritual death. But... If you think about it, if the wages of sin are death, why is anybody alive today? If full judgment came on every one of us, the penalty of sin included sickness and disease. That's how sickness got into the earth. Why are any of us, I'm talking about sinners as well as you, why is anybody alive today? Especially sinners. <laughs> I'll tell you why. The reason is because full judgment is being held off. If, if uh, full judgment would have came the day Adam sinned, he would have died physically that day. You, you understand that? Sin was judged at the fall of man on that very day. Um, but uh, 
but it didn't, it was, it was uh, uh, judgment with mercy. The Bible uses that term, judgment with mercy. And there's a lot of people under that today. If, if everybody, including you and me, I'm not just talking about the world, everybody got what they deserved. <laughs> As soon as we'd have done what we'd have done, as soon as we'd have sinned, there'd have been a big zapping sound. Smoke would have risen and you'd crispy critter here laying on the... (laughs) Amen. Now, you remember back in the book of Exodus, let's just think about this for a little bit. In the 12th chapter, you remember the plagues in Egypt. God said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, he went down there, let my people go. But Pharaoh wasn't all in favor of that. Remember that? So there were plagues, and uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. You know, he changed his mind. Then he would go back and say, no, I'm not going to let you go. And that happened, what was that, ten plagues. Well, the last one was the death of the firstborn, wasn't it? And uh, Moses let my people go. Okay, no, I'm not going to let them go. So Moses said, all right. And God told him what to do. Moses uh, went back and had the the entire nation of Israel slay a lamb. Um, put the blood on their houses and stay inside the house, uh, eat unleavened bread, and be ready to go. Remember that. Well, the, the Bible says the death angel, a lot of people think God went through the earth and slew the firstborn. No, the Bible, in Exodus 12, read it very carefully, it says the death angel went through Egypt that night and uh, slew all the firstborn in Egypt. You remember that? And so... Um, it says, uh, look, look at verse number 22 here. I'm going to read. You can just listen to this if you want, Exodus 12, 22. I'm getting some, to something. You're paying attention here, right? And he said, you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lentil and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. In other words, stay under the blood. This blood was a type of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they did that. Verse 23 says, The Lord passed through, the, uh, passed through to smite the Egyptians when he saw, uh, um, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he saw the blood upon, or when he seeth the blood upon the lentil and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the, notice this, suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Now notice that is, that is, that is, uh, the, the word destroyer is another entity. It's not God. The destroyer. Well, what did this destroyer do? It killed. And the Bible talks about the death angel. So this was the death angel went through Egypt. Well, it says the Lord will pass through. Uh, uh, pass over you. He'll, he, he'll, when you when, when, when it looks like God, whenever he gets to our house, he'll pass over us. No, look it up in the Hebrew. It means hover over. God hovered over Israel's houses to protect them because of the blood. And the death angel had to go over those houses. If you look it up, it means hover over. You have, to get, you have to keep these things straight because in the Old Testament Hebrew, there's no permissive verb. The Hebrew doesn't have a permissive verb in it. It's all causative. It makes, all, it makes everything sound like God did it. You might, like, for example, you remember whenever the Bible said, an evil spirit from the Lord came to Saul because he was in disobedience. Well, it wasn't an evil spirit. God doesn't have any evil spirits, and he's not telling evil spirits to go get them. 
it, it means permitted. There's no con, I mean, there's no permissive verb in the Greek, in the Hebrew, excuse me. And it makes it sound like God was sending an evil spirit, but he doesn't have any evil spirits. And he's not working with the devil. You understand? Well, um, so what it was was, because the Bible says that God's anointing left Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord came. It means permitted by the Lord. Well, somebody said, why did God permit it? Because Saul permitted it by being in disobedience. It opens the door to the devil. You understand that? Now go back to another passage. Go over to the book of Numbers and look at the 20, uh, 21st chapter. Like I said, there's no causative. Uh, I keep saying that wrong. There's no permissive verb in the Hebrew language. If you study the Hebrew language and, and uh, talk to people that do study it, they'll tell you that. Um, we're looking here in the 21st chapter of the book of Numbers. It says here that, verse number 5, The people spake against, Moses and, against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent, look at that, sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now it looked like the Lord, from the King James, it looks like the Lord did that. But you go back to Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter, and you'll find out something else here. Look back at Deuteronomy, if you wanna, if you, unless you're just going to listen, but it's good to look at these things to make sure I'm telling you the truth. Look at Deuteronomy 8, verse number 16. This is God talking to them about how he protected them in the wilderness whenever he took them through the wilderness. He said, I fed you in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and make thee, um, humble thee and that he might prove thee and to do thee good at thy latter end. Verse 15, I think I, I jumped in too, too late. Verse 15, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and, and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee water forth out of the rock of flint. Notice he said, I led you through that wilderness, and there were snakes all through there. Poisonous snakes. In other words, what he's saying was, if I hadn't have been protecting you, <laughs> you'd have been getting bit all the time. But over here in the book of Numbers, the 21st chapter, it says the Lord sent snakes. Well, no, there's no permissive verb in the Hebrew. It's, 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 uh, uh, it's all sounds causative. God didn't send them. He permitted it. Because they broke down the hedge. Why did they break down the hedge? They complained and they murmured against God and said, why did you bring us out here? It's all unbelief is what it is. You see, there's... There's uh, not everything that happens is God destroying. That's right. That's right. People have the idea that God's destroying this, God's destroying that. Well, if God and the devil are destroying, we, we might as well say uncle because there's nothing. <laughs> there's no way we're going to make it. <laughs> Amen. No, it's, it's Satan is the destroyer. God has put a hedge about those who obey him, those who are willing and obedient, and they're kept. They're preserved. They're, they're, they're protected. We're a kept people. Why? Because there's, well, you and I have missed it. Isn't the wages of sin death? Yeah, but there's mercy. There's a keeping. There, there's a measure of protection here. And he gives us space to get it right, time to get it right. 
And that mercy will extend. I'm not the judge. I can't tell you how long that mercy is going to extend while people are in disobedience. But there, there's a period of, 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 of uh, mercy. Or else if judgment fell immediately, we'd all be a crispy critter. Wouldn't there? So there's always this time. God gives us space to repent. That verse is over in the book of Revelation. God gives people space to repent. Space to get it right. No, he's so long-suffering with some. Oh, my goodness. You look at some people and you're thinking, when is it going to take place? You ever seen some people like that? Your own husband. I mean, no, I won't go there, but anyway. <laughs> Y'all here, you're going home. If full judgment fell immediately, the full penalty for sin would happen immediately. Why isn't it happening? There's mercy here. How long is that going to go? I'm not going to push the envelope. I don't know about you. Just as soon as I realize I miss it, I want to run back over there where I can get, get in the protection again. I don't want to find out how long I can get away with it. Amen. You could end up in a wheelchair or some bad thing, you know. I'm not trying to preach fear. I'm just saying there's a, there's a place of protection. There's a place of keeping. We're a kept people. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, we would all be done. Are you there? So in the Old Testament, why didn't God just zap the, the Egyptians immediately? He didn't want to. The Bible even says he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He didn't get any joy out of uh, uh, anybody dying and going to hell. Amen. Y'all there? Well, that old... Terrorist they shot the other day, he got what he deserved. Well, God got no pleasure out of it. Amen. And I'm, I'm not against what they did. I'm just simply saying, God got no pleasure out of it. There needs to be some things happen to protect our nation. But you understand what I'm talking about. He split hell wide open and nobody should be glad about that. Amen. I'm not against what they did. Don't misunderstand me. I think you can misunderstand me on that. So, judgment. These plagues in the Old Testament were judgment, weren't they? Sin was judged at the fall of man. But on this very day, uh, something happened whereby God removed his protection even over the Egyptians. The Bible says he sends his, he sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, he, he's good to all. <laughs> People say, well, look, I'm fine. I'm, I'm getting away with all my sin. I'm getting away with it. Well, this is the only heaven you're going to experience. Heaven on earth, that's it. This is as good as it gets. This is as bad as it gets for us, but it's as good as it gets for you. <laughs> so, but on this day, God re re uh, drew back his protective hand even over the Egyptians. And on this night, God's withholding, God's withholding hand was removed and the destroyer was allowed to execute the full sentence of penalty of sin. And one of the reasons was is because they kept resisting God's plan, what he was trying to do with his people. You don't want to touch God's people. You can get away with touching. You can get away with standing in the way of an unanointed body of believers who are disobedient, aren't even preaching the new birth and so forth and so on. You can get away with lying to them. You can stand in front of them and tell them lies and you won't fall dead. But you get in the middle of a, an anointed church that God says that's yours and you can go have it and somebody stands in the way of that. You'll have time to get out of the way. 
But if you don't, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you to resist something God's trying to do. Amen. Not mad at anybody. That's just the way these things work. God's going to get done what he wants to get done. Amen. So God allowed the destroyer on this night to execute the sentence of the law in the Old Testament, which is the wages of sin is death. Now, the dilemma was that the children of Israel were all due the stroke of judgment at the same time. <laughs> if they hadn't have gotten under that blood. They all had sinned just like everybody else. Hello? That's the dilemma. They were due the same stroke of judgment, and Satan knew it. But God had already provided for their salvation. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He said, I want you to slay a lamb and trust in the blood of the, this is a natural lamb, but it's representative of the lamb who's going to come. And if you'll put your faith in this, which is a type of what is to come, I will see that as faith in the one to come, and I'll cover you and protect you. Amen. A simple act of faith in him would withhold judgment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When God saw the blood applied in faith, he could look at the household through the precious redeeming blood that was foreordained before the foundation of the world, and judgment could be stayed. Praise God. And that's the only way that you and I will escape the penalty of disobedience is get back under the blood. I said get back under the blood. That means repent for our disobedience and then start obeying what we were not doing. Oh, that's good preaching whether you know it or not. What is God's best? If we're going to have God's best, we're going to have to stay under the protection of the blood. We're going to have to stay in that place where we're kept. And if we find ourselves out, get back in just as quick as we can. If you want to live in divine health and, and long life, don't give the devil any place. And the further you go, the more he's looking for an opportunity. He's standing by the door waiting for you to stick a foot out. He wants to cut it off. You know what I'm talking about? I was a, you know the story of me climbing up that tree a number of years ago and falling out of it. You remember that? Well, I went to the doctor. had a big uh, uh, you know, wound, uh, flesh wound here, and they sewed it all up. Took them a long time. I had to dig out bark and stuff. You know, <laughs> I know it sounds. But anyway, but I really hurt my back really bad. And uh, I really couldn't move when I first hit the ground. And I just screamed the name of Jesus and started getting movement and then just kept on speaking and it came back. But um, uh, the point is after, and, and I'm, I'm free of that now, but the point is that night the Lord before, I, and I got to bed late because it was, it was close to dark whenever I fell out. And then, uh, you know, you go to the hospital and they were real busy in the emergency room that night. So it took a long time. I think we went to bed about 1 o'clock or 1.30, something like that, got home. And I wanted to go to sleep and the Lord said, I want to talk to you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, you need to know that if the further you go in, in uh, moving out into the realm of the Spirit and obeying me and doing what I told you to do, the, the, the more Satan's looking for an opportunity to get in. And he said, therefore, if you do dangerous things, he's going to try to take advantage of that. I just hot-dogged it up the tree without any safety or anything, you know. Thought I was 16 years old like I, like I used to do it. I couldn't do it like I used to do it. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, I, I tell the Lord, yes, Lord. He said, um, then uh, I want you to wear a safety harness if you're going up a tree and hunting, hunting, you know, out hunting. I want you to wear a I promise her, I promise my wife, I'll wear a safety harness. 
There's some of them that have bars around them. You can just stand, hold on to that. But the ones that don't, I'm going to wear a safety harness. Yeah, so because what the Lord is telling me, the Lord's looking for opportunities. You give him any chance, he's looking for a chance. Preaching good this evening. Praise the Lord. All right, so back to here, there's three reasons Christians are sick. Number one, they don't know what belongs to them. Number two, they don't know how to appropriate it by faith. Number three, uh, disobedience. But thank God there's a cure for all three of those. The Word will give you the knowledge of what belongs to you. The Word will give you faith as well. Build your faith and disobedience. Thank God we can get under the blood and get that taken care of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, um, being obedient uh, means, according to Isaiah 119, if we be willing and obedient, we're going to eat the good of the land, the best God has for us, long life, divine health, not just healing. I mean, fullness of provision and all that God has for us. I believe I can live down here completely, 100% successful in every area of my life. No bondage in any area. No restraints where I can't do what God's telling me to do. I believe that's available to me. Have I always walked in that? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I'm, gonna sh I'm shooting for that. Amen. What this verse is telling us in Isaiah 119 is if we're going to walk in God's best, we're going to have to focus intently and undistractedly on obedience to what he's saying to us. And this is a full-time job. Amen. I said it's a full-time job. There is a divine plan. There is a divine course. And there is divine health. But it requires walking in the divine plan and the divine course. Can you say amen? Some people, because of a low level of disobedience, their faith doesn't work on their own. It works somebody else has to use their faith. Or their only relief is somebody else that has the anointing or somebody else that can use their faith. What I'm referring to is Saul in the Old Testament. After he got into disobedience, from then on, whenever he was oppressed by that evil spirit, his only relief was David coming and playing under the anointing. He himself had lost that peace, that, 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 that keeping anointing, the peace of God that kept his heart and his mind. Remember the Bible says he'll, he'll mount garrison over your heart and mind with that peace? Saul lost that protection. And his only relief from then on was the anointing on David. You don't want to live in such a way that your only relief is when you can get to church. You understand what I'm talking about? Don't live in a place of disobedience where there's no help unless somebody else can get it for you. It is pretty good. Some of us need to pay attention to it. Now go to 1 Corinthians 10. We find some interesting verses here, and I'm, I'm just barely getting through what, I'm, what I've got on my heart here tonight. Y'all still with me, though? For time's sake, we're just going to keep moving quickly. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you... Or not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the seas. Talking to Jews, or mostly Jews anyway, and he's talking about uh, the nation of Israel. He said, and we're all baptized under, under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In other words, this is all types, is what he's saying. We'll, he'll see, say that in a minute. And they all ate the same spiritual meat. Verse 4, they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, all these things, or these things, were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat 
and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in the same day or one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of, the, of serpents. That, we just referred to that. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Hmm, complaining. Now all these things happened unto them, notice, for in samples or examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Notice they're written for our admonition. In other words, we're to be learning from these accounts in the Old Testament. Now what he's telling us is that what we read in the Old Testament, how they disobeyed or complained or whatever they did and got in trouble for it, we're to learn from that. That's what he's talking about. Can you agree with that? So we find here then that there is a, a, a penalty for disobedience. Isn't that right? So what do we learn from this? We learn three things. We learn, number one, we learn what not to do. So write that down. We learn what not to do. Because it says there, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not, verse 6 says. So we learn some things not to do. <laughs> number two, we learn some things to do. That's a heavy revy. Y'all paying attention? We learned some things to do. Number three, we learned the way God deals with His people. Ooh. I think we need to pay attention to that one. Are you saying God puts these bad things on them? No. I, we learned that disobedience gets us out from under protection. He can't fully bless disobedience or else He'd be blessing our plans. Now, I know of preachers that are partly, in the obedient, or partly obedient, and, you know, there's, God's using them a little bit where they're at in ministry. You know, God's using them, people are getting saved from time to time, so forth, things happening, and they think God's blessing them, and He's not. He's just honoring His Word, because they preach His Word, and He's honoring His Word, but He isn't blessing them. Hello. He's not blessing them, He's just honoring His Word. I've heard stories of sinners that preached the gospel because they knew the gospel. Somebody had told them the gospel. They'd never respond to it themselves. But they had preached the gospel to other people and the person they preached to got saved. But God wasn't blessing them. He was, he was honoring His own word. And He will always honor His own word. See, we have to not just think that God's honoring me and blessing me because this has happened and that's happening. Well, maybe He's just honoring His own word. But maybe you're not getting the full potential of what God has for you. Because you're not in the perfect, you're just in the permissive will of God. Y'all paying attention this evening? So we just don't want to get lulled to sleep thinking, well, look, God's blessing me. Well, let's, let's, not, uh, let's just keep on checking up on ourselves. Amen. So you can remove the hedge of protection from around you through disobedience. And here's our examples. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us the Old Testament saints, or uh, the servants of God, were... Uh, examples of what not to do, what to do, and how God deals with His people. We read where God protected them from snakes as long as they were in obedience. But they got into disobedience, started rebelling against Him, or rebelling against the direction God gave through leadership that He had called and He had anointed. Got them into a place where they were complaining and it removed that hedge of protection. <clears throat> we, we, we must learn from these things. Now, um, like we said, Isaiah... 
I mean, excuse me, uh, Psalm 91 tells us, and Exodus 23 tells us, that long life and divine health is God's best. Not everyone attends to that. I mean, uh, attains to that. Not even everyone in the Bible attained to that. But we're not basing it on people's experience. We're basing it on what did God actually say is available. Amen? Praise God. So, we must examine the sins of omission as well as the commission. <laughs> Amen. And we must pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to us to do. God's not going to lay everything out in His Word specifically for us. He tells us generally to tithe and give offerings, for example. This is just an illustration of some of these things. But He, I mean, us being disobedient every time the Spirit prompts us in certain areas... Is going to cost us. Amen. God's best is that we always obey. If we, if we do God's best, then we'll have God's best. But if we're slow to obey, unwilling whenever we do do it, it's not going to flow well for us. Hallelujah. Oh, it's just better to obey. <laughs> it might at the time seem like it's costing you, but it will never cost you anything. It will pay richly. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Hagin made the statement. He said, whenever I pastored, we didn't have near as many, much sickness and terminal cases in the church as we have today. He was talking before he went to heaven recently. But today, in his, up in more modern time, he said there's much more sick, sickness rampant in the church. And he said the reason is, is because people don't live holy lives. Well, that's disobedience. And people go to church, get a little dab of blessing, and think God's blessing them. But no, it's just the, the anointing splashed over off of somebody else onto them. Amen. Canaan's land is a type of God's best. Canaan's land is a type of God's best. God wants us to live in the best He has for us. Hallelujah. I told you stories last week about people who didn't fully obey. Well... Uh, it cost them until they got over into obedience. Um, <clears throat> Brother Hagin made the statement, like I said, that unless he got into disobedience, he was living in divine health. Um, and But the one case, the Lord uh, told him, I've had to deal with you three times about this. And you got out from under my protection and you broke your arm. I don't even believe we, can have, we should have any accidents. Amen. Amen. So what are we learning tonight? In order to have God's best, we have to do God's best. We have to obey whenever He deals with us. Healing for those who are disobedient doesn't come the same way as it does for those who just aren't exercising faith. I said that on Sunday, and I'm going to say it again. Amen. Our prayers can be hindered. We can open the door to the enemy. We can give place to the devil. We cannot be judging ourselves and therefore we're judged. What does that mean? There's a measure of not, we're not protected here anymore. There's just not as much protection. I don't want any of that. I want complete protection. Amen, amen, amen. Now listen to some of the benefits of being in God's uh, uh, best. Listen to some of these things. First of all, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36, <clears throat> it tells us this isn't one, this is uh, just a verse... It kind of says a similar thing. Hebrews 10, 36 talks about obedience. And then uh, I'll just read this here. It says, For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Notice some things come after you've done what God told you to do. 
some things that you might look at the Word and say, but it's mine, I see it's mine, I want it right now. But it's not going to come until after you do what God told you to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Think about Genesis chapter number 13. You can just write this down, Genesis 13, 14 through 15. It talks about God telling Abraham, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house to a land that I will show thee. And then in Genesis 13, 14, and 15 that I just gave you, it says it came to pass that after Abraham had come out from among his, his, his people and Lot. It said after that God said to him, Look up, see, well, I've given to you, so forth and so on. Notice, God didn't speak some things to him until after he did what he had already told him to do. Many Christians are stuck right there. They haven't done what God said to do. So they're not getting the, the, the fullness of the blessing that God has for them. There's a man that Jesus put mud in his eyes and said, go wash it out. His healing wasn't going to come by standing there and saying, well, I just wanted you to pray for me. He's going to have to go where Jesus said go, and he's going to have to do what Jesus said do. And that's where a lot of Christians are. We have a lot of Christians with mud in their eyes. God told them to do something, and they haven't done it yet. And they think, well, it's not, see, I seem to be doing okay. Yeah, but what are you missing that you could be having? Don't you want the best, the, the fullness, the, 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 one, the, the, the kinds of things that make you pinch yourself and say, is this really me? Is this really me? Is this really happening to me? Just drudging through life is not God's best. Getting the bills paid barely on time. Doing it again next month. We go through times where it's that way, but it shouldn't be that way year after year after year after year. Hallelujah. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the... That'd be the best. Everything you can... I don't think he wants you to eat the best, but wear the sloppiest. Or the cheapest. No, he's talking about eating, wearing, driving, living in, everything. Enjoying everything. The best. Most of us haven't even got a vision for wealth yet. We're still thinking paycheck. Amen. Now, Job 36, write this down. Job 36, 11. If you obey and serve him, you'll spend your days in prosperity and years in pleasure. Notice something came before prosperity and enjoying life. And woo, woo, that's what I want, Pastor. Well, there's something before that. Obey, obey. Oh, that's a four-letter word, isn't it? Pastor, that's a four-letter word. No, it's a good word. O-B-E-Y. What's God talking to you about tonight? What's he talked to you in the past about that you've let slip? What are you going to do about what you let slip? Well, I wasn't going to do anything. All right, that's what's going to happen in your life. Nothing. No help from God any further to get any further down the road of what he has for you. Amen. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous groweth brighter and brighter until the noon, as the noonday sun. In other words, our life should just be getting better and better and better and better. Oh, we all go through things. I don't mean you won't go through things. There'll be times and seasons of attack and, and you, know, you, know, you know, you're pressing into a new realm and it seems like Satan will try to resist you. But that's just passing through those things. It gets better and better and better. Psalm 78, 41. They turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. 
Is it possible that you and I would be limiting God in any area of our life? Is there a 1% chance possibility? Oh, yeah. Let me answer that for you and me. Yes. Amen. There's, there's things happening for Pastor Debbie and I that I don't know how much I can share. Because some folks will be like, hey, 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 Don't get mad, get in line. <laughs> it's not stepping out in obedience that limits God. Hallelujah. Now, I'll say this, for example. This, this is not to boast. I'm bragging on Jesus here. I'm bragging on Jesus. Things are happening in our life, like, for example, this month, where we're just doing so well that this month already we've given a fourth of our income away. Just, ooh, this is fun. And still, not, not coming. If we need something, we go get it, you know. And I'm not just talking about the paycheck at church. That's, that's been set. I hadn't changed for four years, I don't think. But increase just keeps coming. Things happen and opportunities and... I like this ride. I like this ride. Now, people take that all wrong. Well, he's bragging. I'm trying to brag on what God's doing. I tried to get to these places myself, and I was like everybody else. I couldn't get there. So finally, the Lord says, not, your way's not working, is it? I had to say, no. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Can you say amen? Amen. So stepping out in obedience opens the door for these things. Not stepping out limits God. It limits His full potential. And I haven't received God's full potential. You understand? None of us have. Solomon, the Bible says Solomon didn't even get it. It says the birds and the flowers got better than Solomon. Hallelujah. So we can have the full and His richest and His best. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So, uh, he can't bless our plans. He only can bless his plans. James 1.22 says, be doers and not just hearers. Deceiving our own selves. If we don't walk in the light of what we learn, both from the Word and from the Spirit. If we don't walk in the light, then we deceive ourselves. In other words, we start to get, get confused. Why is this not working? That's a penalty. Not, not God penalizing, but I'm just saying that's what happens in our mind and our, our spirit. It starts getting confused, and why is this not working? Amen. So we're, we're learning. We're growing. We're moving forward. Remember we said don't be like the horse or the mule that needs to be hurting before they'll turn the right direction. Praise God we don't have to be. Well, thank God for this. Everybody say thank God for this. Say we're learning. There's many things that uh, we could say, but um, it's important that we listen to that part that Jesus told Brother Hagin. Uh, faith obeys my word, whether it's the written word of God or my spirit that is spoken unto man. If you've had an experience in prayer where God spoke to you about something, it's very strategic that you pay attention to that. 
Um, we've had people say things to us, come up and say things to us. The Lord told me this in prayer, and it was, it was amazing. And then the presence of God came, and, and, and so forth and so on, and we rejoiced with them. And then within a year, we saw them disobey it. I thought, <laughs> and it didn't work out. It yeah. didn't work out. See, we've got to write these things down and, and always go back and read. I got, I got notebooks full of things God said to me. It's important to, to, it's easy. How many of you found this out? It's easy to get off of the, I mean, you're going along and you start getting comfortable because things are going well and you get lazy about being diligent of everything he said to you. And so we always have to do these checkups, examine ourselves. I don't want to be, have to hurt before I start saying, oh, oh, oh yeah, I, I, Lord, I'm, I'm paying attention now. When I went through, I told you about whenever I transitioned into this phase of ministry, uh, about the, the attacks against my body. I mean, I'm looking, I'm checking. Okay, Lord, yeah. is there something? Because I'm always wanting to make sure it's not just something I've opened the door to. Because I've been there before where I've opened the door to things. And whew, there's only one way to get out of that. It's not through, well, just I'm going to put my head down and believe my way through this. No, you've got to have the doors closed to the enemy. Amen? And if, if I open the door, your prayers can't close it. You understand that? If I open the door, your prayers can't close that. I've got to. Now, your prayers can help me to see where I've opened the door. You can bring a supply. Help him to see, Lord. Or vice versa, me praying for you. Help him to see. But I can't close that door that you have opened. Or you can't close the door that I have opened. It's important that we understand that because sometimes people are going from prayer line to prayer line over and over again. Sometimes some of you come up to every prayer line whenever there's need for prayer for sick or we're ministering to the sick. Why? Is that all right if we pastor you a little bit here? Why? Well, this is something different than the last time. Okay, but for the last three years, it's always something different. Why? Right? You understand? If you've already had prayer for it, you don't have to have hands laid on you again. You can stir the power up with your own words. I think we've been seeing this. We just need to address it. Is that all right before we go? Rather than come up time after time and, and trying to get something else, you, you learn to stir that anointing by your own confession. If you would practice that, you would, it, would, it would help your faith life tremendously. Rather than depend on somebody else to get that stirred up for you. Or if it's always something else and we, and we see you in every prayer line, why? You're redeemed. Why does this keep getting in? Well, that's hard. No, no it's, it's just to help us wake up and, and examine ourselves. You know, what's hard is not hearing these things and going on our own, uh, own disobedient way. And, amen? So we're learning. Amen. I mean, really, uh, <laughs> can I share a story with you? Brother Hagin was uh, in the very, the way he said it, if I understood it correctly, it was the very first Oral Roberts meeting. I might have misunderstood it, but I think he said it was the very first Oral Roberts meeting. At least it was the first one he ever had in Dallas, Texas. It might have been the first one he ever had. I remember the big tent meetings he had years, years ago. And he said he went there, and uh, he said that... Uh, you know, it was a full, a lot of people coming. And he said a lot of uh, people were healed and, and uh, you know, major 
good meeting. But anyway, there was a pastor that he was talking to later from the area. Of course, he was kind of from that area. He kind of got started down there. He said he was talking to a pastor friend of his who got a bunch of the cards because Oral Roberts would have people take healing cards and fill them out, and they had to wait so many services before they get in line, get a, get a healing card and get in line. They would give the healing card to uh, an usher or someone when they went, got in line. Well, um, they uh, handed these cards out to the pastors in order to follow up with people to help them, you know, get them into a church and so forth that preached healing and so forth and so on. That's, that's a good thing. But uh, anyway, this pastor that Brother Hagin was talking to said he got a list of, I forget how many, I think they sent out 6,000 cards. Or they get, no, he said he got, they got back 6,000 cards. I don't know how many they sent out, but they, he himself got back 6,000 cards that they sent out. And the cards just simply was already postage paid, and it had two places to check. All they had to do is check two boxes and turn, and turn around and put it back in the mail. But the, 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 the checks were, were you healed when Oral, Brother Oral Roberts prayed for you? Yes or no? And if you were, are you still, still healed now? Yes or no? And um, so he got 6,000 cards back. He said, of the cards that came back, of course, you, you didn't, he didn't get them all back, you understand. But of the ones that came back, so he got 6,000 back, um, 80% of the, because it always said on there which, which church they went to. That was part of the card. It was already on the line, which church they went to, whether it was a denominational church, full gospel church, what kind of church it was. And of the, of the ones that came back, 80% of the ones that came back that were from denominational churches got, said they were healed. And 80, about 80% said they still were healed. Six weeks later. This was six weeks after the meeting. 80%. Pentecostal people, 20% said they got healed, and 20% still had it. Brother Higgins said the pastor didn't understand that. He said, well, that's easy. They've been sitting under the word. God expects more out of them. A lot of those denominational folks got gifts of healings working for them. They didn't even know how to receive their healing. So God didn't expect much out of them. Hello? And the pastor that Brother Hagin was talking to said this to him. He said, well, uh, from our area, we took three buses. Three of us, I think three or four of the churches got together. They took three buses full of people to the Oral Roberts meeting. And all of them went because they, they needed healing. They were all full gospel people. You know, Pentecostal kinds of people. And... Uh, it was 150 people. Each bus said about 50 people. So we had, of three or four churches, we had about 150 people went. And he said, all Roberts, the pastor told Brother Hagin, all Roberts laid our hands on every single one of us. And not a one of us got anything. And said, including us preachers. Brother Hagin said, well, first of all, you're a preacher. You ought to be embarrassed that you even got in the line. This is a little different, isn't it? Well, why? Because we already know what belongs to us. You don't need a healing evangelist with a special anointing. <laughs> Hello, especially the preachers, they ought to know. Hello, but the reason none, none of those Pentecostal people got anything from those three churches is because they knew what belonged to them and God expected them to use their faith. But they're trying to get it by special gifts of the Spirit. They're trying to get it by somebody else's anointing, so forth and so on. Well, why did I share that? I don't know. <laughs> Amen. If we'll walk in the light of the Word, be doers of the Word, we will be a completely kept people. That includes obedience to all he's telling us to do, and that includes walking by faith and not complaining. Why is this not working? Amen. Yeah, well, praise the Lord. If you still love me, you can stand to your feet. 
Maybe I'll be quiet if you stand to your feet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's time for us to actually be faith people like we claim we are. Does that mean I'll never get attacked if I walk by faith? Absolutely not. You'll, you'll get attacked. I'll tell you that ahead of time. Don't say that over me, Pastor. Well, Jesus said it over you. He said, he comes for the word's sake. In this world, we have tribulations. He'll come and he'll try to get in. Now, divine, walking in divine health doesn't mean he never comes and tries to get in. It doesn't mean he doesn't attack. It just simply means that he won't be able to lay a hand on you and get you over into that sickness that he tries to get you into. Don't take, don't take condemnation because Satan has attacked you. Amen? But uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. We should be hearing some testimonies. I got attacked, but looky here. Jesus was faithful. Amen? Praise God, praise God, praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to examine ourselves. Not with the devil's help. Not with a big stick of condemnation. But in the light of the Word. And our own conscience before God. So as we do this, we'll become a church. Kept. Preserved. Whole. Healed. And free. Protected from all the enemy's attacks. Hallelujah. Giving no place to the devil. Amen. If he comes, he'll get kicked right back out real quick. Amen. Woo, what a testimony that would be. What a testimony that'll be. Amen. Woo, spirit of faith just doesn't have any sick among them. Well, you, you've set the bar too high. Well, we've got to know what the Bible says. If we shoot for that and, and get 80% of it, that's much better than where we've been. <laughs> I'm shooting for it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him I'm shooting for it. You know what that means? Tell him, tell him you know what that means? That means we keep our tongue. Certain things we don't say. We don't talk about. Or criticize people about. Or grumble about. Amen. <laughs> Remember like Dr. Dufresne said, the gripers get the vipers. Isn't that right? But we're learning. See, what we're, do what we're doing as we grow spiritually, we're learning where, I know I've done this. I, I learned, oh, oh, well, no wonder. I kept thinking, why am I keep being attacked? And I said, well, I had the door open. I didn't realize I had the door open here. So we're learning where all those doors are. and closing them. Closing them. You don't have to necessarily do anything. <laughs> Once you get the door closed, the devils, devils can't get into you anymore. Can I tell you another little story before we go? I told you this story before, but you've heard about Jesus raising from the dead before too, haven't you? We just keep on hearing it, keep on hearing it. Years ago, I was over at a, uh, at a church preaching, and, and the Lord had been dealing with me a lot about, you know, what I say about other preachers. And the, pre the pastor, after the last meeting, after the, we did the series of meetings, and then the next morning, we were getting ready to leave for bre after breakfast, and he said, well, come to breakfast, and we'll talk before you go. So we were at breakfast, and, and he brought up a certain minister 
uh, it was Benny Hinn, and started talking about him and criticizing him. You know, Benny Hinn, his doctor's off here, doctor's off here. He kept criticizing him, and I was like, yeah, I know, and then, yeah, I, I got into it. And uh, so he said goodbye, and we, we finished breakfast, and we said goodbye and took off. And I started getting, I had about an hour, what was it, two hours or so to drive. That next church I was going to start a meeting in. And the Lord said, and, and as I was driving, I got supernaturally sick. I don't mean uh, from God. I mean, it was, it, I had never had symptoms of the flu to where within, within 10 or 15 minutes, you were, you were fine, but within 10 or 15 minutes, all of a sudden your throat is completely tight, your nose is running, your ears are stopping up and stuff like that. Just supernaturally, the flu came on me supernaturally. It wasn't just gradually a little scratch and two days later you're really, you know, it wasn't that kind of thing. It was instant almost, within minutes. And so I kept thinking, well, I'm going to get down here where we're checking in, and I'm going to uh, get checked in, and I'm going to rebuke this. You ever done something like that? Well, I'm going to put it off and do it later. <laughs> Funny. But that's what I was thinking. Finally, I got down there, and I checked in and, and put my bags on. I didn't even uh, unpack my bags, put my bags on the bed, and I said, all right, Lord. I said, I'm just going to rebuke this. It says in James 4 whatever that is there, where it says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I'm just going to resist the devil. And the Lord said to me, uh, you're only quoting to me half of that verse. Well, I said, uh, okay, I know what the first part is. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I said, well, Lord, you know, because I had, this was into that second year of ministry and I had gotten willing to preach because remember the first year I wasn't willing. Yeah. When I was traveling, I told that story. Uh, Sunday even I told it. But I got willing. I said, Lord, I, I, I have submitted to you. I got willing. And I started pleading my case. He was arguing and I was arguing back with him. You know, he always wins, by the way. I said, I, I submitted to you. I'm willing, you know. I'm, I'm pleading my case. He said, let us plead together. So we're talking this thing over. I'm, I'm standing my ground. Claiming what, what belongs to me. He said, he said, how many times have I dealt with you about criticizing preachers? I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. I almost ducked under the bed. I said, Lord, you've talked to me many times. He said, what did you do at breakfast with that pastor? I, I said, oh, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. I started repenting. I got to weeping and saying, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. And, uh, you know, I just repented for a few minutes and talked to God about it. And then I got up from there and, I started unpacking, and I forgot that I had gone to prayer for healing. I'd forgot about what I even went to prayer for. Because, I mean, this is a big deal came up here now. And yeah. My attention's now on that. Right. Whew, got that right, so I'm up thinking, oh, I'm done. Yeah. And then I remembered, oh, wait a minute, I went there to be healed, yeah. and it's all gone. Yeah. It was just gone. Yeah. Why? Because I got the door closed again. Yeah. It wasn't all this binding and rebuking and, and, you know, for 14 days trying to get the devil off of me. I don't mean that if you have to stand your ground, you shouldn't stand your ground. But check up from the neck up. Check up on yourself. Where? Okay. Is there anything I did here to open this door? Don't let the devil condemn you. Learn to have a relationship with God where the devil doesn't get into that and start condemning you. But if it's disobedience, get that door closed. I did it. I preached myself happy tonight. Woo! I'll tell you, there's a good life out there for us. Do you believe that? Yeah. There's a good life out there for us. We're into the edge of it. Many of us into the edge of it. But oh, it's glorious. What can be and what will be. <laughs> Debt free, bills paid, money in the bank. 
paying cash for land and buildings and whoo, the good of the land, driving the best, wearing the best, healthy, healed, free in our minds. Whoo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Somebody dance, I'd dance with them. <laughs> If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.